2 uh, Corinthians chapter 5, 17, and of course, chapter 5, verse 21. So we're going to start with those scriptures. And uh, this is really uh, the, the middle of what we call Paul's revelation. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, that he, or this person, is a new creature, that old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new. Everything has become new. Of course, he's really talking about who you are in Christ. He's talking about what happened when you got born again. When you got born again, he says, you became a new creature. The word new simply means new in kind or a new kind of creature, a new in quality, a new quality of, of human being that never existed before, a new kind of human. And so when you make Jesus your Lord, you're not just a forgiven sinner. You actually become a new kind of human, a new kind of person that never existed before. Literally, he even uses the word creation, a new kind of creation. So he describes what happened when you got born again. He says, now you're a new creation and you are in Christ Jesus. And so in the Old Testament, God said, I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to put a new nature in you, and I'm going to put a new spirit in you. And so in Christ, the two words in Christ, you're born again. I mean, we know you're saved. That's good terminology. We know you've been born again. Our other translation says you've been refathered. All right, let's try that one more time. So if you've been born again, then you've been refathered. That uh, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So uh, faith is the victory. Amen. Faith is the victory. Uh, faith in God, actually, uh, even in the new birth, your victory is there in the beginning when you make Jesus your Lord. Amen. God would not make a defeated new creature. Amen. If you're a new creature, then he says you're in Christ. And one writer said, you got in-Christed, or you could say it this way, you got engrafted into Christ. It's what the Amplified Bible uses, engrafted into him. Amen. When our grandson, uh, Dylan, diagnosed with leukemia, and uh, his donor was his older brother, Gavin, then what they did after three years of trying to uh, stop leukemia, then they came along and they said, well, he's going to have to have a stem cell transplant. So they literally took uh, Gavin's stem cells, which actually is his identity. So they took Gavin's stem cells, put it into Dylan. And they said, from now on, Dylan, uh, you will have two birth dates. You'll never be the same after that. He said, and your identity is so changed to Gavin's that if Gavin got convicted of a crime, then you could be convicted of the same crime. Because when they, when they got the evidence of, of who was there when the crime was committed, then uh, Gavin was there, but you were there. So when you see what happened on the cross, when we found the evidence that Jesus was there, but you also were there. Uh, he took your condition. He took your place. So you could say it this way. In the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you became a new person, have a new identity, 
and you are engrafted into Christ. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says that actually happens in your spirit. So you may have looked like the same person with your body, come on, your, your brain, your thought life, but your spirit is actually engrafted into Christ. So that means the same life that's in Christ, same righteousness that's in Christ, same blessing that's in Christ, or you could say it this way, God put into Christ everything he wanted you to be. Or he put into Christ everything he wanted you to have or you say he put into Christ everything he wanted you to have, amen. So that means you are now identified with Christ. You are a new kind of creature that never existed before. And Jesus is actually the prototype of the new creation. So just like Gavin was Dylan's donor, Christ became your donor. You got to see what's in his blood. Amen, it stem cells. And so you've been engrafted into Christ, and he is Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. So you have been engrafted into the anointed one, that Jesus is actually the first of a new kind of human. He's the prototype. And so as though he's fully God and fully man, yet you can no longer say you're only human because you have the life of God. All right, let's try that again. I said, you got the God kind of life in you. So whatever you face in this world or the flesh or the devil, you already have the bloodline. You already have the blood in you. That blood, it has the blood of a champion on the inside of you. And it is the same blood that <laughs> Jesus took to the cross and raised from the dead and took into heaven. And uh, that blood now is there in the presence of God, the blood of the new covenant. Amen. So a great confession is through the blood of Jesus and the blood of the new covenant. He makes me perfect in every good work while he works in me that which is well-pleasing in his sight. So you see your identification with Christ also running through the blood and your spirit joined to Christ, which means now you're a new creature in Christ. You're saved. You've been born again. You've been refathered, refathered, and you have eternal life. You have the same life that God used to raise Christ from the dead. He made us alive together. You were there. I said, you were there, amen? So to see who you are in Christ, that a lot of times we, we don't get very far in that area because we're way too familiar with who we are naturally and our own experiences and our own thoughts. And uh, instead of uh, believing God and agreeing with God that I am who God says I am. And then the confession brings you into agreement. So he says you're a new creature in Christ, but now if you go from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to verse 21, so jump down to verse 21, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Jump down to verse 21, and it says, For he hath made him, Jesus, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Again, uh, Dad Hagen probably was the first one I heard teaching on this subject when I was 17 years old. Uh, I mean, I heard a lot of good preaching growing up in church, but on this subject, he was probably the first one I ever heard. 
And he said, God would not make an unrighteous new creature. So if you've been born again, if you're a child of God, you must be righteous. You have to be righteous. And there is no 50% righteousness. There's only one kind, which is the God kind, and it's 100% righteous. Amen. In his sight, come on, God sees you through the blood 100% righteous. And Colossians 1 says he sees you faultless through the blood of his cross, faultless. Amen. I heard Brother Copeland saying years ago he had made some mistakes and uh, he, he said, oh, I just messed some things up so bad. And he was just depressed. And he said, Gloria came in and said, said to him, she said, I'm sure he sees no fault in you. Let's try that one more time. I'm sure he sees no fault in you. You say, what happened? Colossians 1, 20 through 22 says he sees you through the blood of his cross. Amen. And you're blameless and without fault in his presence. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, what kind of a creature are you? Well, you're an unusual creature. Come on, come walking into the Holy of Holies in the presence of God, washed in the blood, the righteousness of God in Christ. So it absolutely, totally changes your prayer life. Amen. I said it changes your prayer life. Because yeah, you ain't sneaking in. Come on, ain't crawling in. You ain't begging your way in. Come on. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ, washed in the blood. Come on, you come walking in. You're blood-bought and blood-blessed. Hallelujah. And this is the victory. This is your faith. Amen. Bringing you right in to the very presence of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So he says, you have been made. So I heard Dad Hagen teach on it. And, of course, we were raised in church. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, we, we, we heard a lot of sermons, but there wasn't very many that said we were the righteousness of God in Christ. <laughs> Most of them said, you better get down here to the altar fast, buddy, before you get struck by lightning. <laughs> so he says, in Christ, in other words, in him, God sees you in him. You look a lot better in him than you do outside of him. In Christ, God sees you through the blood. Amen. He sees you in him. And you have been now engrafted into Christ, which gives you the same identical access that Jesus has before the Father. You actually honor God by boldly confessing that the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all sin, from all unrighteousness, and that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise Amen. The Lord. So he says, um, Jesus was made to be sin for us. We might be made the righteousness of God in him. So my, myself, of course, with my friend, Pastor David, uh, we kind of started off, you know, together in some meetings. And uh, so... Um, we kind of started off, had another friend, uh, Leon Stump. Now, he's gone to be with the Lord, but his son, Andy, comes to our meetings. And um, so we did, we did a lot of research. Amen. We, we weren't looking for no coronavirus. Uh, we did a lot of research. 
but we were researching what happened from the cross to the throne, what happened when Jesus died, and what happened when God raised him from the dead, what happened, amen, what happened in the scene. We know that from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but Paul's revelation, he tells you what happened in the unseen. So I call the four gospels a photo, photograph of redemption, and Paul's revelation an x-ray. Same picture. But you see different things in an x-ray than you do in a photograph. So Paul tells you what happened in the unseen. He tells you what God saw. He tells you what angels saw. And he'll even tell you what the devil saw. He'll tell you what happened in the spirit. Amen. And so that's what you call what happened in Christ. In other words, the four gospels tell you what happened to Christ in his death and resurrection. But Paul's letters tell you what happened in him. In Christ. So while we're studying this, we came across, you know, different translations of, of uh, these uh, redemption scriptures, and we came across one translation that said, uh, Arthur S. Way, he said, that the key to the gospel was in the prepositions. Well, you know, I was like, really? What? Uh, let's see if I can remember what a preposition is. So I should have paid better attention, you know, in class. He said, the key to the gospel is in the prepositions. And he said, little words like for, with, in, through, by, little prepositions. And then he says, the English language was not constructed for a preposition to carry the kind of weight that the gospel calls upon it to carry. So the prepositions break down and go almost unnoticed. So I thought, well, well I better find a preposition. So, these little words, for, for, and for means in our behalf as our substitute. Everything Jesus did, he did it for us. Amen. So, right there in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, says he was made to be sin for us in our behalf. In other words, as our substitute. So, you see, clearly Jesus was not a martyr. He was a substitute. So he took our sin and took our condition. And when he was made to be sin, he became everything sin produced. All right, let's try that one more time. When he was made to be sin, and all that sin opened the door to, which is death and sickness and the curse and, and poverty, when he was made to be sin, he became everything sin produced. Well, when he was made to be righteous in our behalf, when he's raised from the dead, now everything righteousness has produced belongs to every believer. Amen. So for in our behalf, with means together with him, for us, with, we were identified with him. Now we are in, little word in, preposition says we are now in him, and so now you have 130 in Christ, in him, in whom scriptures in Paul's revelation, 130, and some churches you can go to for 10 years and not get one sermon on it. 130 in Christ, in him, scriptures. So now you are in him, and now you live through him, and by him you can do all things. So uh, the prepositions really are the words that you have to make sure do not go unnoticed. 
All right, come on. He was made to be sin for us. Now we've been made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. So neither by the blood of goats and cats, but with his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place and he obtained eternal redemption for us in our behalf. Amen. So now, wow, let's go to Colossians 1, 12 through 14 real quickly here. And he says this, giving thanks unto the Father, giving thanks unto the Father, praise the Lord, giving thanks unto the Father, giving thanks unto the Father, praise the Lord, giving thanks unto the Father. And he has qualified, amen, and made us worthy, amen. Well, no, no one's worthy naturally, but he made us worthy with his own blood. Amen. So he made us worthy. And, of course, Dad Hagen talks about his vision. The first time he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and said, Lord, no one as unworthy as I am should be able to look upon your face. And he's down there at the feet of Jesus. Jesus told him something that revolutionized his whole Christianity. <laughs> and he said, stand upright on your feet, for I have washed you in my blood, and I have made you worthy. All right, let's try that one more time. Come on. While all y'all laying down there on your face telling the Lord how unworthy you are, and he says, I washed you in my blood, stand up on your feet. I have made you worthy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He said, I qualified you for my best blessings, and I did it with my blood. So you, you honor the Lord not by laying down there on your face the rest of your life, but by standing up and receive your inheritance. Amen. Come on, get up, get your inheritance. Thank God. We were unworthy, but he loved us and washed us in his blood. So you can't just stay down there the rest of your life. Amen. So we give thanks unto the Father. Come on, he's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of glory. He's the Father of mercies. So we say, thank you, Father God. You're my very own Father. I've been refathered. I belong to your family. I carry your divine nature. Come on. I'm a new creature in Christ, and I stand before you, Father, and I give you thanks that I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. An heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on. Uh, I was watching a uh, uh, program, you know, some psychologists, and they were talking about some, uh, a, da a dad and some parents that were particularly, the dad was very harsh with his son and uh, tells how he talked to his son and, you know, ran him down all the time. And uh, the psychologist said, that son will have to have 1,000 attaboys. In other words, you're a good boy. He'll have to have 1,000 per every one that he heard that from his daddy. In other words, that went into his conscience because of where it came from. Come on, God ain't ever running you down. Come on, God ain't ever telling you what all is wrong with you. Come on, you come in there by the blood of Jesus. Come on, he's the one that's lifting you up. Praise the Lord. He's going to give you. So if you come to church, you'll need a thousand attaboys. 
Come on, to catch up with all the sin consciousness you got from the world, the flesh, the devil, and the last church you went to. In other words, you have to have a thousand. That means you'll need a thousand sermons on righteousness before it ever gets into your consciousness that God is on your side for the blood has been applied. Hallelujah. Every needs you. If God's for you, who could be against you, man? I'm telling you, you need a thousand attaboys. Hallelujah. You're going to be all right. Hallelujah. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. To expect the best. In other words, your faith, this is going to affect your faith. So let's finish reading this. Colossians 1, 12. Giving thanks unto the Father is qualified, able us to take, partake, take our part in the inheritance of the saints in light. Look at verse uh, 13. Who hath, who hath, he hath, he hath delivered us. He hath delivered us from the power, the dominion, and the control of darkness. Who would that be? Well, that's the devil and all, every demon. We have been delivered from the power of darkness, and we've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. All right, now look at the next verse. In him, well, here we go, in whom, in Christ, in him, in whom we have present possession. In him we have redemption. Redemption means he purchased our freedom with his blood. In him, he purchased our freedom. Christ has redeemed us. Amen. He has made a curse for us, and he redeemed us from the curse that we are blessed. So here he says, in him we have redemption through his blood. And then he used the word, even the forgiveness of sin. Now, actually, this word forgiveness, this forgiveness is actually the word remission. Remission, for the remission of sin. And so remission is a much stronger word than just forgiveness. Forgiveness is definitely wonderful, but remission is much stronger. Remission is more of a, a new covenant word. The word remission means not only forgiveness, but it means cancellation of penalty and the removal of guilt. The removal of guilt. So the blood has the power, come on, to cancel the penalty so you're not afraid of the penalty because you did this or you didn't do that. So you're not afraid of that. Your, you, your sin has gone into remission, right? And cancellation, removal of guilt through his blood. So in the new covenant, God's not interested in just your sins being covered or forgiven. He actually gets to the root, not only redeems you from the power of sin, amen, the guilt and the shame of sin, but in the new covenant, you have been redeemed from sin consciousness. Well, you can't get that nowhere, but the blood can get it for you. I mean, it's a, the removal of sin consciousness Come on, which leaves you in a sense of failure and a sense of guilt and a sense of shame. But the blood of Jesus, the Hebrews chapter 10, says it reaches into the conscience of the believer and removes the guilt and the stain and the shame of sin and replaces it with a righteousness consciousness that makes you hold your head up high and expect God's best blessings in your life. Amen. Amen. So that's, that's what the blood does for us. Amen. And that does something in heaven, does something in your own heart. 
and it does something actually over the devil who is the accuser of the brethren. Woo, so you can get up every morning and say, I am not trying to be, not someday going to be, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm 100% righteous, hallelujah. I even call it, you know, uh, first-class righteousness. Uh, we, our jet is in maintenance right now, so we got to fly commercial again. So we, we flew out here commercial. Well, uh, I, uh, me and Trenton flew in first class, and then uh, Kate flew in economy class. She was happy. She's just happy to be, be here on the plane, right? But after a few years, I decided that the Lord wanted me to fly first class. They treat you different in first class than they do in economy class, right? Now, you, you try to justify it by saying, well, we're all going to go to the same place. But I tell you, we're going to feel different up front than you're going to feel in the back. For one thing, we asked Kate, did they give you anything to eat? No. I said, well, they gave us four choices. <laughs> they know our name. They take care of us all the time. Back in the back, they just ignore you back there in the back. I told you, you better get some peanuts before you get on that plane. You ain't. <laughs> and then if you're back in economy class, come on, you have to go right through the first class to go back there. And you know somebody's having a better time up in the front than you're going to be having in the back. Sometimes you, I see people won't even look at you when they go by there. I don't laugh or nothing. I just sit there. And they walk right on by the back. Then if you're sitting back in the back, how many ever sit in the back and you even tried to look up front and they closed the curtain so you couldn't even see up front? You are so unworthy in economy class. They won't even let you look up to see what's happening in first class. And God help you if you make the mistake of trying to go to the bathroom in first class. I've seen people come in from the back. They come in there and they, and they go in the bathroom. And the stewardess, she'll say, you have to turn it back around. Your bathroom's at the back. Right? And it's a little, it's a little one. I saw one guy in economy class get into, the, into the, the bathroom. He walked in to the bathroom, closed the door, and I could hear a rumbling going on in there. And there's a rumble and a rumble going on in the bathroom. And I thought, what in the world? And then he popped right out of the bathroom, and he, he, uh, <laughs> and he turned around to back in. Because he got in the bathroom and he couldn't turn around. It was so little. And he was in there, you know, trying to get, get turned around. And so, so he, had to, he had to come out and, and, and back in. And he started back and went beep, beep, beep. So this guy went back. He backed into economy class bathroom. <laughs> Woo! But, man, when you get in that first class, Amen. I used to walk through the first class and go to economy class, and I'd say, oh, this, is, this first class was made for me, man. This first class, I'm first class. I belong up here, right? Well, you can, you can develop an economy class righteousness. So he would say, I, I'm on the plane. Praise the Lord, I'm on the plane. I know I'm forgiven. I'm on the plane. 
But what would happen if you ever developed a sin consciousness, come on, and that would keep you in that condition? And what would happen if you dealt with that sin consciousness with the blood and you've developed a righteousness consciousness, it would even affect your expectation for your life. You'd say, well, I'm royalty, praise the Lord. I'm, a, I'm an heir of God. I, come on, I ought to be driving the best and wearing the best and eating the best. Somebody said, well, when did you start that? Well, I had to start that when I was young to get rid of the broke consciousness. Amen. And there's something about faith that will always rise to that level. Are y'all still here? Your understanding that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, and no one is more qualified to have the best than you are. Praise the Go ahead and praise the Lord for a minute. So the remission, remission of sin, so with Dylan, with uh, leukemia, then uh, they told us that his condition was in remission. Three years we're dealing with that. You know, they're attacking uh, leukemia. And they said, it's in remission. Well, then it came back. So I asked the doctor, why did, why did it come back? You said it was in remission. She said, well, what you need to understand is there's two kinds of remission. There is what we call regular remission. That means that the cancer is not working anymore, and that's good news. She said, but there is another kind of remission that is called molecular remission. Molecular remission is where there is no evidence in any cell in your body that you ever had that condition. Old things pass away, and everything becomes new. Uh, to produce molecular remission, that comes from the blood of Jesus and what happened on the cross and the death and the resurrection of Christ. That means because of that blood in Christ, in him, you have what? Remission through his blood. What kind? Absolute remission. Molecular remission. So from the Old Testament, God goes from forgiveness now to a new kind of creature that there's no evidence that you ever did anything wrong. All right, let's see if anybody could actually get happy about that. I said that there's no evidence, come on, anywhere. And if the devil even brings up a thought about it, you say, that don't even exist anymore, Mr. Devil, because the blood of Jesus has washed it all away, amen, and that blood, so that God said, I don't remember your sins. So if the blood of Jesus, come on, remove sin consciousness from the mind and memory of God. If it can remove it from God's mind, it can sure remove sin consciousness from your mind and from your memory. How are you going to do that? Through faith in the blood of Jesus, amen, that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My, my, my. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God sees you through the blood. Come on, I said, God sees me through the blood. Come on, I resist the devil with the blood. I overcome old memories by the blood. Come on, I overcome every thought by the blood. 
Amen. I'm slinging blood everywhere. Hallelujah. I'm redeemed by the blood. I'm blessed because of the blood. Praise the Lord. Ha, ha. <clears throat> so the blood of Jesus silences the voice of self-condemnation. So now we're dealing with not, not just with forgiveness of sin, but we're dealing with absolute molecular remission. Absolute. So much so that now Dylan and Gavin have the same DNA. Identical DNA. So to remove one of the treatments that came from radiation, chemo, and everything to, to attack and to destroy the old DNA, there's such power in the death and resurrection of Christ, such power in the cross, such power when God raised Jesus from the dead, amen, and that power is towards us who believe. First of all, that power does its work on you. I said it works on you first. Hallelujah. I know you're thinking about using it on all other kinds of stuff, but that power, first of all, bam, hit you and removed every trace of what you used to be. Nothing left of what you used to be. You're a new creature. Old things have passed away. Everything is new. Amen. Praise the Lord. So now, that means as the righteousness of God in Christ, the voice of the blood is louder than the voice of guilt or condemnation. So if you make your confession in agreement with the, the blood of Jesus, that gets louder and louder. Come on. And the sound of the memory of your failure gets quieter and quiet. Hallelujah. So to somehow um, describe, uh, I think a psychologist, you know, I read after years ago talking about, we're talking about guilt and sin consciousness. One of the psychologists said, if we could get rid of guilt, we would get rid of 96% of all patients that we deal with. Just guilt. If we, could, if we could get rid of guilt. Man, if you had a guilt pill and sin consciousness is the root of all religions trying to deal with a nagging voice on the inside of them that you don't measure up. And so people will do all kinds of stuff. So even in Christianity, people will do all kinds of stuff to try to deal with sin consciousness. But none of it is effective. Only God's way, only the blood of Jesus can reach into the conscience of the believer through the power of the Holy Spirit and set you so free from your past 
that you'll be laughing. I'm so free from my past, amen, that I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Just to understand that one revolutionary revelation, come on, will set you free and will set your spirit free and will actually set you free for greater dreams than you've ever had in your life and give you initiative to go places you have never been. Receive things you've never had. Praise the Lord. So here's, let me read this real quickly here. Um, this psychologist, Menneth Myron Alderburn, they said this. <clears throat> Shame is the issue that drives almost every compulsive, self-defeating behavior known to the human race. I'm going to read it one more time. This psychologist said, Shame is the issue that drives almost every compulsive, self-defeating behavior known to the human race. Shame is at the root of all addictions. It may be hidden or disguised, but it is there and it is real and it drives human behavior. Everybody say, it is there and it is real and it drives human behavior. Imagine if the gift of righteousness and the revelation of that got loose in prisons. And the new creature in Christ and prisoners set free from a sense of guilt and shame over what they did or what they did not do. Well, I feel like slapping somebody right now. I'll slap it right out of <laughs> Shame. Shame, and people live with all kinds of shame over different kinds of things, uh, experiences that they've had in their life. And shame puts you in prison, locks you up, throws away the key. You may come out of there, but the moment the blood of Jesus and your understanding of that blood, and that blood is applied. Praise the Lord. It'll change your countenance. Come on, y'all get that worried look off of your face. I said, it will change your countenance. So he says this. He says, sometimes the addiction will surface first and sometimes the shame. But wherever you find one, you will always find the other. Shame and compulsive behavior always go together. So you can see the strength of sin is partially in shame itself. But sin shall not have dominion over us. I said, sin shall not have dominion over us. Amen. You say, why? Because of the blood of Jesus, your identification with Christ. That's who you are in Christ. So if, if shame produces that kind of behavior in people that is actually called self-sabotage or self-defeating behavior. In other words, the devil can't even necessarily kill you anytime he wants. If he did, he could, he'd already be dead. No, he can't do it. He's got to get you to cooperate with him. And he's got to tell you, you're a failure. You've made too many mistakes. You're a mess. And if you agree with him, then he's going to ride you. <laughs> I watched this movie years ago. I don't know if I should tell you what it is or not because I don't remember all the parts of it. But I, I liked it. <laughs> I liked it because there's a billionaire and a couple of his employees that got uh, had a little had a plane crash and were they're lost in the wilderness, 
And so they're literally lost. All, all uh, evidence of what happened or where they are, there's no clue. Nobody could find them in the wilderness. And so the billionaire, uh, you know, he um, is a very, very positive person. So he's dealing with these two guys, and they're lost, and they wander around the wilderness, and they end up coming back to the same place they were. Nobody knows where they're at, and they're out there, and it's freezing, and then a bear got after them. Just a bad day. I mean, you're freezing lost, and here comes a grizzly bear. Right? So now they're running. Grizzly bear got one of them. Man, he was screaming. Grizzly bear got him, drug him off. Well, now the other two, they're running through the wilderness. Don't even know where they're at. Running, going through rivers and everywhere. And the grizzly bear never stopped. He never stops. <laughs> and so, so finally, the billionaire, he's on the bank. And so uh, one of his employees sat down by the tree and stopped. And he said, I'm not going any further. I'm, I'm, we'll just die out here. And the billionaire talked to him. His, what was his name? His name was Bob. He's billionaire talked to him. He said, Bob. This guy's just, he's a young guy. Actually, billionaire's an older guy. And so he says, do you know why people die in the wilderness? And, the, and Bob, you know, he's because, I'm sure you do, he said, because the billionaire had all the answers. I'm sure you do. You know, he, he was trying to, to make all kinds of survival stuff, you know. And he said, they die because of shame. They sit down and die because of shame. Well, I'm not going to die, Bob. I'm getting up and moving, and we're going to get out of here. They just sit down. He said, you know why they sit down? Is they say, how could I have ever gotten myself in this situation? Why? He said, and they die of shame. So the billionaire said, get up, man. They got up, took off again. Now the grizzly bear's after them. The grizzly bear's after them. They don't have no gun. So the billionaire told him how to, had a little book on how to kill a grizzly bear with a spear. So they, they made some spears. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. So I've watched it like 20 times. So they told him how. <laughs> he said one bad word when he's talking to the grizzly bear, but you know, I, I, I might say something myself, so y'all pray for me. But that grizzly bear, <laughs> so he, he cut the spears. And, and then, then uh, his, his young assistant says, we can't kill no grizzly bear. And, um, and so the billionaire says, uh, do you know the Maasai tribe in Africa? They kill a lion with their own hands when they're 12 years old. If they can kill a lion when they're 12 years old, Bob, we can kill a grizzly bear. Say it, Bob, we're going to kill the bear. Say it, Bob, we're going to kill the bear. Say it again. We're going to kill the bear. He goes, we're going to kill the bear. Say it, Bob. Finally goes, we're going to kill the bear. Now, some of y'all never been lost in the wilderness, but you sure are lost in some of your mess. Y'all say, here, but you need to get up and get up out of that situation and say, I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm not going to have any kind of shame. God wants me to survive. He wants me to live. Hallelujah. And we're going to kill the bear. Hallelujah. We're going to kill the bear, whatever's coming after us. We're going to kill the bear, Bob. We're going to kill the bear. We have to do it with a spear. We're going to kill the bear, Bob. 
So if shame is at the root of all of these kinds of things that keep us from being the most productive and the picture of who we are in Christ, well able to possess the land, not because we set our own value. God set our value on the cross. He said we are that valuable that Jesus died for us. So that sin consciousness, listen now, is the root of all shame. If shame's the root of all failure and lack of initiative, what's the root of shame? Sin consciousness. Sin consciousness. Wow, where did that come from? All the way back from Genesis. Sin consciousness and guilt and all the different feelings that go with it. I wrote some of these down because I grabbed a, a book from, from E.W. Kenyon and he had some of this stuff written down. I was like, wow, I hadn't read some of that in like 40 years. So he said, sin consciousness, condemnation, guilt, and rejection. No matter where you go, you're going to feel like a reject. And it ain't the places you go. You're carrying it. Let's keep going here. Feeling inadequate. I just don't measure up. I'm not quite enough. Struggling to be accepted. Fear of failure. And then this one here blow your mind. You not only have no confidence in God, you have no confidence in yourself. Boy, I feel like slapping somebody right now. Come on, so you talk about having faith in God. You can't have faith in God. You know, you can't believe God is everything the Bible says he is without believing you're everything the Bible says you are. Amen. Come on, if you're going to believe God is all that, come on, and he made you a new creature in Christ, you have to believe that who you are. Now your self-confidence comes back. Woo, praise the Lord. Come on, I said your self-confidence comes back. Amen, I, I'm well able here to possess the land. Come on, to even attempt things that are beyond your natural ability. Come on, you may not go where no man has gone before, but you can go where nobody in your family ever went before. Come on, you can go into places of blessing. No one in your family ever even dreamed of of going to that place. How did you get in there? Not your education, but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of that righteousness. That gift of righteousness, woo, because of that gift of righteousness, free gift. I said it's a free gift, but it's produced legally and stands up in the highest court in the land. No other court can reverse that verdict that you have been made 100% righteous by the blood of Jesus. You can't challenge that verdict. Come on. God's the one that made you righteous. Woo, I said God's the one that made you righteous. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Somebody ought to holler right now and say, glory to God. Woo. Silencing every accusing voice. That says you're a failure. 
that you're disqualified. Even if you tried, you'd be rejected. You have failed. You're a failure. All those voices, the blood of Jesus can shut down every voice. Hallelujah. That's why when you believe that, mix faith with that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It don't matter who you think likes you or don't like you. Uh, let's try that again. Yeah, come on. I say, I, I'm, real, I'm real sad you don't like me, but believe me, I will not fall to pieces. In other words, because I have faith in God. Amen. And so I, I'm real sad. I wish you liked me, but I, I'm so sad you, that you found out something was wrong with me. I'm sorry it took you so long. I could have told you sooner. In other words, in other words, my righteousness comes from the blood of Jesus, from the blood of his cross, and I've got divine approval, and God is on my side and the blood has been applied. Every need shall be supplied. Nothing shall be denied. Praise the Lord. Pray, I'm free from a sense of sin and guilt and shame and inferiority and struggling to try to measure up and do better this and I didn't do that good. Come on, just stand up in the blood of Jesus and say, I know who I am. Woo, I said, I know who I am. I live in the consciousness of the love of Christ, the blood of Jesus, cleanses me from all sin. Ha, ha, ha. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away and everything has become new. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. So the gift of righteousness, Romans 5, 17, we'll work on this some more tomorrow. The gift of righteousness, the abundance of grace. We reign like kings in life through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. All right, let's try that one more time. Through the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. You'll never be more righteous than the day you confess Jesus as your Lord. You can't grow in it. I said you can't grow in it. You can't go from 75% to 80% if you're good all week. No, you are 100% righteous. Without a blemish. No blemish on your record. Hallelujah. So that confession carries more than sometimes believers who've even heard this message before. They've heard it before and they go, yeah, that's right. Yeah, righteousness of God and Christ. But yet they don't live in the consciousness of it and the fruit that it produces. Woo. But I love Malachi 4 too. It says, unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his being. And you shall go forth and grow up like calves released from the stall. One translation says leaping and jumping. Come on, right there, the end of the Old Testament. 
Unto you that reverence me, saith the Lord, the son, it's the word son, S-U-N, the son of righteousness shall arise, and there is healing in its beams. So he says, if you'll come out in the light of the revelation of righteousness, there is healing in those beams. That means you don't have to stay wounded. You don't have to stay sick. You don't have to stay poor. Come on. You come out in that light of that revelation. Amen. You start seeing what God has done for you in Christ. And you have a confession of the blood and who you are in him. And there's healing in those beings. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. More than just vitamin D. Amen. I said, man, the COVID stuff's going around. Get out in the sun. Come on, that sun, vitamin D. You need to be full of vitamin D because that virus don't like vitamin D. Let me tell you, guilt and shame and accusing voices of the enemy don't like the blood of Jesus and the cross and what Christ has done for you. Come on, you come out in the sunlight of that and say, "Woo! look what the Lord has done for me. And then he said, not only will you be healed, but you're going to come out of a small place like a calf released from the stall, leaping and jumping. Let's, let's get a picture of you coming out of a little place coming out into a big pasture, leaping and jumping for joy. Hallelujah. That you are free at last, free at last. Come on now. No more bondage and the limitations that have tried to hold you there. Come on out there jumping around. What are you going to be saying? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, stand up on your feet. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord praise. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And your mercy, thank you for the gift of righteousness. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we are redeemed and we've been made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Lord, washed in the blood, cleansed by the blood. 100% righteous. No more guilt, no shame, no guilt, no shame. No more struggling. Oh, free, 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 hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Giving thanks unto the Father. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, you're my very own Father. I belong to your family. I've been refathered. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. I'm an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. Come on, let's say that out loud. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, in him, in him. Oh, thank you, Jesus, because of your blood. Your blood alone has done everything. The blood alone has done everything. Everybody say the blood alone has done everything. Woo, give the Lord a shout, hallelujah. I'm washed in the blood. I'm redeemed by the blood. Woo, glory to God. Glory, hallelujah. 
Woo, come on, my mind is free. Come on, my soul is free. My hallelujah, I'm washed in the blood. Glory to 